Sunday school as per usual. Um, so before we get started, are there any uh, prayer reports or prayer requests? We continue to pray for uh, Dr. Hewlin's son, Cameron. They, they got about the worst possible news Oh, really? It was a cancerous morning tumor. Very aggressive. Very aggressive. Um, so he's had some surgery? Yeah. They tried to go in and try to remove the tumor, but they couldn't get it all out. Mm-hmm. And then they thought it was cancer, but it came back as no therapy yeah. that it was. They don't, do they have a, like a stage? Uh, they give him two years. Okay. Two to ten years, depending on how they're David, could you pray over these things? Yeah, Father, bless you. Lord, God, we know that you are the great physician, Lord, and that really all, all healing comes from you. And regardless of whose hands you use to do it, it's all based upon your grace and mercy. And so, Lord, we do want to look up our camera to you, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus for a miraculous touch of your hand. You have a destiny for him, and Lord, we ask God in the name of Jesus that you would heal him, that he might be able to fulfill that destiny and be used by you, Lord, to further the kingdom of God. Lord, bless this family, Lord, I pray, Father, that even in the midst of this uh, complicated complicated news, Lord, that you would uh, give them a peace, Lord. It is your people who are the only ones that can experience your peace. So I pray for the peace that passes all understanding. And then, Lord, we lift up uh, Katie to you, Lord, Father. Uh, it's not it's not fun getting old. So, Lord, I pray, Father, you would just bless her. 
minister to her father and just watch over her Lord, be with her daughter and her family, Lord, that they would, that they would be able to trust you through all of this, that, Lord, that they would see your hand in it, that, Lord Jesus, you would uh, uh, fulfill your will, Lord, and uh, just know, Father, let her know deep inside that she is one of your children, Lord, and that she'll just be going through a door when it's her time, Father, She'll just be welcomed into the kingdom of God in a real way. So Lord, just bless, bless them, bless their family, Lord. Bless Nick as he travels down there, Lord. And then bless this hour of Sunday school, Lord. We just trust it to you, Lord. And also the worship time, mm -hmm. the music, Lord, the prayer, the, the liturgy, all of it, Lord. Mm -hmm. The message, Lord. We just pray that you would anoint it, Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that Lord, you would show forth your, your goodness and your grace and mercy. We would know that we've been in the presence of the God, of God Almighty. And Lord, we bless you and thank you, Lord, for your love for us. In your name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, we're going to pick up again in chapter 5. Uh, we got somebody in the hallway. Um, now, uh, as you remember, the... Uh, uh, the first, uh, the event that happens in chapter 5 is the healing of the uh, lame man. Uh, we're in uh, John. John. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, and and here, here's a handout for okay. you. Uh, that's just, that's just the way we're going through John. Um, um, and not only does he uh, heal uh, this uh, uh lame man but he also uh, tells him to pick up his mat mm -hmm. and carry it home and, and, and John points out it is the Sabbath so we saw there, there's actually a couple of themes within this particular chapter based off of this event and the first one uh, was uh, the first one was um um that he is uh, uh, his he came to show the better power of rest <laughs> that's what's on my page I'll just read it uh, he's uh, his unlimited grace is greater uh, than the uh, limited grace of the pool and uh, it doesn't require anybody getting in first you know there's no works atoned to it it's just you want to be healed you're healed uh, so then we go on uh, to his second theme, and uh, that is he came to finish God's work. Uh, and again, this is uh, based on the Sabbath, this healing being on the Sabbath. Um, and this is clear from Hebrews 4, uh, 4 through 9. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from his works, and again in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. 
So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. So it's interesting, uh, you know, if you uh, kind of mush together those the, the two thoughts between the event in that passage in Hebrews, it wasn't the Sabbath day for the lame man. It was today. So today, open up your hearts. You know, do not harden your hearts. Today, receive your rest. And that was what uh, the, the lame man did. Uh, you know, not thinking anything about the Sabbath. Um, so, and becoming our Sabbath was part of his work. Becoming our rest, no longer uh, um, uh, working toward earning merit with God or pleasing God, but simply resting in the Christ. Uh, and the kind of turning point here in this uh uh, in this chapter is verse 18. Uh, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath but also said that God was his father, mm-hmm. making himself equal with God. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a turning point in John's narrative of how how Jesus is going to be treated from here on out by by the officials. Uh, so any, any uh, I'll stop there and ask for any comments or, or questions about any of that. So you're saying as we read through John is right here the things turn against Jesus pretty much from now Yeah, I mean this is the first instance that that he is I mean Nicodemus told him, we know that uh, you know, nobody could do the things you do unless God is with him. This is a complete reversal of that of that attitude. So and this, you know, unless I'm I miss something, which is certainly possible, but I this is the first indication uh, of uh, you know them actually turning against uh, Jesus. You know, just interesting me for the, the Pharisees, you know, when they question him, they don't ask who killed you. No. Who told you to pick up your mask? No, <laughs> no really. <laughs> they could care less about that healing. The guy, the guy had only been there for what thirty-eight years, years or something. <laughs> They may have never seen him before. You know, they may have been averting their gaze from him all that time. How, I, mean, I mean, that's the way a lot of people operate. They just see, they'll take one set of something and that's what they'll focus on instead of the real thing. The real thing is not walking away with your palate. Mm-hmm. The real thing is that he's evil. Well. But that's what's so amazing, you know, about Old Testament law. There's nothing in the Old Testament that you can't do good on the Sabbath. There's no Old Testament law against that. There's nothing about carrying a pallet either. Yeah, sure. You can't tell wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So we've seen this pattern developing of Jesus doing, doing something or there's some kind of event and it's followed by teaching and here, uh, the teaching that follows, he talks about the word of the Godhead. Um, verse 17 says, But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. And then again in verse 36, 
I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me, and the Father has sent me. So he's talking, he talks a lot about the works of the Godhead and how he is finishing the work of the Father. And, uh, you know, this includes uh, the kind of the revealing of the greater Sabbath. Uh, And he equates himself uh, to the Father in all this. Again, um, you know, the Jews wanted to kill him because he was equating himself with God. Um, uh, So he begins to talk in verse, in, uh, uh, after following verse 18, he begins a lot of important talk about the Father and the Son and life, uh, which he, uh, he will pick up again later in the gospel. Uh, in verses 19 through 21, we read, then, then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. And whatever he does, the Father also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these, and you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. Uh, Lots of does in here, lots of work in here, and it all ends in life. And indeed, the uh, 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 creation story ends with life, human life. Uh, So uh, this is the end of God's work. And, And as... Jesus says he is here to complete that. Uh, now also, we, we can also connect to this, uh, Jesus' claim to be Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, Matthew twelve eight says, For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, so it is part of his creation. You know, part of God's work was establishing the Sabbath. Part of his work was resting on the seventh day. So Jesus uh, is not a created being, right? So he is, he is, God is Lord of all of his work, including the Sabbath. And so Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath as well. Uh, any thoughts about any of that before I go on? You, think, you would think the one who created it is definitely, you know, I mean, he can do with it as he pleases. Yeah. So. And he's not restrained by it in any way. That's exactly right. So we would have no Sabbath rest if it weren't for God. That's true. And then, you know that saved tons of people. You know, when they, during the when industrial revolution is going on, making you know twelve-year-old kids work seven days a week, eight hour, ten hours a day, whatever. You know, just, work, just everybody was just like just forcing them. You know, but it was the fact that. God created a Sabbath rest as a use in a sense as a uh, battle against corporate yeah. you know, these corporate giants. Yeah, it, it's still a good practice. Oh, yeah. It is a it's a beneficial practice for yeah. people, you know, to be able to turn off and rest. And anybody who has trouble sleeping <laughs> knows that, you know, how debilitating it can be if you're all activity and, and uh, you know, even mental activity. Yeah. And no rest. 
Any other thoughts? Okay, well, I'll go ahead and I'll proceed by reading verses 24 through 36. Uh, Jesus speaking, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come to the judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are uh, in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own, but the will of the Father who sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth, yet I do not receive testimony from man. But I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the Father, uh, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So he's making, he's making uh, an appeal to his authority here. Uh, including authority over the Sabbath, you know, the, the works that he, he is finishing for the Father. Uh, he also throws in a little sidelong uh, uh, reference to the uh, Holy Spirit. I actually think I read too much there. Uh, but uh, uh, there's a lot of cloaked language in this passage about redemption, about uh, having life, uh, even even the dead hearing his voice, uh, uh, believing in him and the one who sent him is life. Uh, so this this is uh, pulling in the basic redemptive work, which is the uh, uh, secondary theme of this part of the gospel. Life being the overall theme. Um, uh, and he connects himself to the resurrection when he talks about uh, all the dead will rise, the, the, the righteous dead to life and the evil dead to judgment. Uh, and he throws in also that he is the son of man. This is where he gets his right to judge. Uh, it is his humanity in, in the fact that he has endured everything that all other men have endured uh, and passed Pass the test without sin. This gives him his authority to judge all those who did not. Uh, so, any any thoughts about any of that? The people that don't believe Jesus was actually God have a hard time with this passage. Uh huh. <laughs> 
brother. Okay. Um, so this passage looks forward to ten, uh, chapter 10, verse 17. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Uh, uh, it's the love and the cooperation of the father and son. And uh, uh, it is in this, kind, this agreement uh, between the two and really among, among the uh, trinity uh, that allows uh, Jesus to take up his life again. Uh, it's a hint uh, at uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection. Uh, Ten seventeen, and uh, this the this uh, actually comes up as he is transitioning into the third uh, leg of the triad of themes. Uh, but uh, it's you know there there are threads that run through the entire gospel. This is this is one of them uh, where he's he's just making hints about the redemptive work. Um, uh, this uh, chapter is also an exploration of God's finishing work, which is to be found in chapter nineteen, verse thirty. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. He declares that the work is finished, uh, which is uh, you know, what he's been telling them that he's been doing all along. And, he's, it's, uh, and it is in the redemptive work where he releases his spirit. And then on the seventh hour, he rests. Wow. So any, any thoughts about that? Any of that? Okie doke. All right, I'm going to read you uh, verses 45 through 47. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So John uses Jesus' healing on the Sabbath to transition to his next theme of the triad, which is Moses and the law. What is the right place uh, for Moses and the law within context of the work of Christ? Uh, and uh, 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 he's, his... Uh, uh, attitude uh, is expressed in uh, Matthew, again Matthew when twice he quotes Hosea 6, six. go and learn what this means I desire mercy and not sacrifice uh, so he is, he is following uh, that prophetic line uh, as he is about to transition into, uh, as John is about to trans- transition into Jesus uh, slash Moses uh, because Jesus says he came not to call the righteous but sinners so uh, this is this is part of his uh, transition and uh, then also 522 for the father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the son 
this is going to be significant as we go forward. Uh, part of Jesus' work, or the Father's work that Jesus is finishing, is the Father gives all judgment to the Son. And that's where we stand now. And that's where we will stand until the new Jerusalem uh, when Paul says uh, the authority will be given back to the Father. So, that's it for that chapter. Uh, I would say one thing which I had not really noticed before. You know, Jesus clearly states that Moses wrote about him. Yeah. And you know, so so many people say, well, Moses didn't write any of these things. You know, they just copied down by somebody later on. Well, I can see Moses sitting there writing away, man. <laughs> so, he found time to do it. No, that may have been why you know God had him. Do specifically for that passage where God, Jesus said, Moses wrote about me? Well, that passage on a prophet like me. God will raise up for you a prophet like me. You'll listen to him. That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably the most direct one. But, I mean, all of the law that was types of Christ, you know, that, that, was, that was all about him. You know, everything written about the Passover. Right. It was all about him. It's like Luke 24, you know. All the law and the prophets and the Psalms are about him. Yeah. Hopefully I'll run this next time somebody tells us, you know, because people are so into dissecting God, God's word. You know, oh, yeah, most didn't really write that. It was just, you know, so uh, they had the, 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 these book titles for the Gospels were <clears throat> really not written by those Conversation between Jordan Peterson, you, you may know that name, and some Muslim guy, and Jonathan Pajot, who you may not know. He's an icon carver. Uh, these are all guys in Canada, and Pajot is very interesting uh, uh, videos on YouTube about symbolism, and he and Peterson have struck up a friendship. And the Muslim guy was all about rationality and what you could prove. And, you know, he at the end, uh, he's, he's trying to prove that Muhammad was a, a prophet, you know, because so many things that he prophesied came true. 
and he went through a list, and they were they were all you know very earthbound things like who was going to win a battle and that kind of thing, you know, a battle no one's ever heard of. Uh, but it was all all this rational stuff, uh, and, it, and it's just like an atta- uh, attack on scripture, you know. Unless you can prove it, I'm not going to believe it. Well, scripture tells us, you know, if you're if you put your faith in stuff you can see, that's not faith at all. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's just our uh, baloney uh, of rationalizing, uh, worshiping ourselves, really, uh, that we are are the highest being and are worthy of worship. It may require a gift of faith. To yes. know that these it might be. <laughs> it might. I was thinking when you said that, that famous verse in Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the substance of things. Right. right. The evidence of things not seen bears the evidence. Yeah. Plus, how, how irrational is it for God to incarnate himself? It is irrational. It's as irrational as it could possibly be. Yeah, a virgin gave birth. So that's, why, that's completely rational. Which is why, <laughs> why Muslims reject that Jesus is God, because yeah. it's completely irrational that God would take on flesh. Yeah. Or that God would suffer. Yeah. In fact, I'm not, I'm not sure they even believe that Jesus suffered at all I mean as be, being a good man God would never do that they believe that God played a trick on everyone and put Judas on the cross instead of Jesus oh really they put Jesus on the cross instead of who put Judas on the cross I mean that's fraught with meaning to say that Judas was crucified <laughs> well, I mean, it's satanic. You know, the, the son of perdition was crucified. You know, Charlotte and I saw this tapestry that was made in 500 AD or something like that. It's a tapestry of the devil, and he is, I mean, beastly as he must be, and he's in his mouth is Judas. He's eating Judas. <laughs> <laughs> That's why most of those things have that symbol that they used. Yeah. That's great. Oh, yeah. That's where Dante places Judas as well. Yeah, and in uh, Satan's mouth. Puts him in Satan's mouth. Wow. And, uh, and Brutus, because you know Dante was a good brother. So. <laughs> yeah, there you oh, go. Brutus. Yeah, Brutus. Brutus and Judas. Yeah. Brutus and Judas. So. They, they rhyme, but actually Satan is in Christ's yeah, mouth. You throw Benedict in there too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have something, Jim? Uh, yeah, I was just thinking that you know Jesus said Satan was a liar from the beginning. Yeah. And he came to steal, kill, and to destroy. And he's working through people like you're talking about that we need, or liberals, who do not believe that Jesus come in the flesh. Well, there's a lot of antichrist if they do not believe that yeah. Jesus is coming in the flesh. They're yeah. antichrist. Right. And John teaches us that we've been given to know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And he says that he's given us anointing that we need no man to teach us. It's all by the Word of God. I'm just seeing how, looking at families and people and lives, we defend the faith. Somehow we defend it in our actions, not only what we believe, but staying in the Word of God, you know yeah. the real thing, which is Christ, the resurrection and the life. Anyway. Yes, persevering in the faith. Yeah. Someone said, no, just trust it. Trust it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm going to finish up with that, even though it's a little early. Uh, that That is the end of chapter 5. Uh, I'll just note a couple of things, that this is the third sign, uh, the healing of the paralytic. 
And uh, again, uh, John uh, records Jesus' words about Moses at the end of the chapter. And this is transitioning into the next leg of the triad. and That's Moses and the law. And also uh, the calendar of feasts is brought in uh, uh, during this particular uh, uh, theme. So that's where we'll pick up then in chapter 6 next week. All right. All right. Thank, thank you all.